All right, thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode of Literally is sponsored by Lexicon and Line. Case, tell us a little something about Lexicon and Line. Uh, Lexicon and Line does three things. They, they are com- communications consultants. They teach professional business writing and speaking courses, and they are research and data evaluation experts. And you can find everything about Lexicon Online at lexicononline.com. Please give them a visit. And thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, Lexicon Online. This is Case Johnston. This is the Literally Podcast. We're, we're broadcasting from the Monarch on Historic 25th Street in Ogden, Utah. Today, our guest is Laura Stott. Laura is the author of two collections of poetry, Blue Nude Migration, Lynx House Press, coming out in 2020 in January, right around the corner, and In the Museum of Coming and Going from New Issues 2014. Her poetry can be found in publications such as The Rupture, Barrow Street, Kettle Blue Review, Adirondack Review, Western Humanities Review, Sugar House Review, and Copper Nickel. She's an instructor of English at Weber State University. And if you're not familiar with that, it's just up the road here in Ogden, Utah. Um, today we're going to start with a poem uh, from Laura, and I believe it's going to be the title poem of her new collection, uh, Blue Nude Migration. And then we're going to chat, and then we're going to read other poems, and we'll chat, and that'll be about it. So uh, go for it. Okay. Blue nude migration. Look, the blue nudes walk across the desert. The western U.S. is dotted with their indigo bodies. They move slow. They stumble down the dunes. They wait in the cool gloom of desert palm. They dig their toes blue into the crust of yellow earth. And all the cactus, so much of it, and all that bare skin. It is high noon. Are they hungry? Are they sad? One rides on the shoulders of a friend. She can watch their sea of nude. Artists have come to watch. They brought their sketch pads, their cameras. Some have brought their harmonicas. The nudes tilt their heads bashfully down or let their arms sweep dramatically by their sides. Where are they going? A young woman asks, gesturing towards them, paintbrush dangling out of her mouth like a cigarette. What will we do without them? A coyote sings, soon it will be night, as the nudes continue their steps, matching the moon's pool to earth, disappearing into the mountains of blue dirt. So where are we? Uh, I was living in Southern California when I wrote the draft of this poem, and so for me, I was was imagining that desert down there, and I, I think I'd just come back from... Joshua Tree, um, specifically, and there's there's a there's an oasis in Joshua Tree, like where there's these you know you've got the, all this desert, and then suddenly there's this seep of water, and there's all these palm trees in the middle of it. It's a really it's a really great spot, and there's um, a lot of really cool wildlife around it too, a lot of great lizards and things that you can spot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that was that was on my mind, and I think the uh, the blue nudes. Um, I guess should I give a little background? Yeah. What? Okay. <laughs> so as I've, as a over the years of working on this project, um, some of my poetry friends have, who have seen them will kind of be like, "What? What's going on? Are they human? Are they animals? What? Who? What are they?" And um, so they they originated as, uh, as it was an ekphrastic project where I was looking at um, Henry Matisse's Blue Nudes, you know those cutout prints, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it started with those. And 
uh, pretty soon the blue nudes kind of came off the came off the canvas and and they started wandering around <laughs> various places and I started writing about them so but but that's what I had in mind originally was was Henry Matisse and uh-huh. uh, and then it kind of grew into they had all these other things that they were doing so um so that's where that came from and and uh, so I I started. I just kind of dove into these blue nude poems for a while and then I left it actually for a few years and then I went back to it and revisited it and wrote wrote more of them. So and um the in in and in that like around them I have some other poems that are maybe reference other artists uh but but Matisse is sort of the the big one in that book. Yeah. So, so you're taking them from the Mat- Matisse piece and placing them in different yeah. spots. So and this is the desert. Yeah. So in a way yeah. they almost became a vehicle maybe just for me to write about other places or situations. Uh-huh. And then place them in this kind of drastic yeah. blue against a desert like within yeah, Southern California yeah. and, and see where they where they would go with yeah. it. Yeah. And what people would say like I love the I love the voice. Um, mm-hmm. uh, um where are they going? You know and you're like Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and I and I think I kind of was interested in this idea also of um, thinking about the the models for some of these artists, right? That these these women or men that you know sat and were painted, and who are they? Mm-hmm. And uh, and just kind of playing around with that idea a little bit in my mind. But I I really I love color. I think color shows up a lot in my work, and I like to kind of pl- I like playing around with thinking about blue. And that, you know, what's the backdrop for that? So, and what was it about the original piece? Like, I've always been drawn to those. Mm -hmm. I just, I like, I like how organic they feel, and, and, and I've always loved them. So, it was just, it's hard for me to pinpoint why, but just, I've always loved those pieces and And kind of drawn me in. I like the, I like the figure a lot, like in, in art. Right. So, um, and that that's I mean as we were talking really briefly before we started to, started recording today um, a lot of this stuff especially with poetry I like to ask poets some um, some kind of you know teaching pe- uh, I hate the word pedagogy uh, questions mm-hmm. um, but with ekphrasis you know um, mm-hmm. I, I've sometimes students kind of push against it especially uh, new poets that push against ekphrasis poetry mm-hmm. um because they want to write really so much about like their own angst and sure. and broken hearts and yeah and stuff what you get you can do with yeah. this type of poetry it's just a different way in at the soul right i mean yeah. can you speak to um why why obviously it's 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 uh, it's a form that you use um a practice that you use and where does that belong in a young poets kind of generation yeah well you know Gosh, and and maybe it's not visual art, but I, you know, everybody has some form of art that they're really drawn to, and uh, whether it's dance or music, and 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 I I feel like you know wh- however you feel as you react to like something when you hear a song that you love, and and you just you have to replay it twenty mm-hmm. times, <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, and it uh, doesn't matter the age. Like, that right. happens now. Yeah. You know, it's not even, that's not a young thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so, and just whatever that is stirring up within you, I think, like, being able to say, okay, what, 
reacting to other artists and creating something new, I think is a really great experiment. And, 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 you know, and being careful not to something I'll tell my students about the ekphrastic process is don't, don't summarize it. Don't, you know, just describe the right, painting. Strictly describe <laughs> right? it. Yeah. yeah. Like what, what in here can, can be some, you know, get into the mind of the artist or a mind of someone on the canvas or something to just kind of do something new with it. But, um, but I, I there's so we're, we're constantly surrounded by other artwork and I love sort of the idea of how can we respond to each other. So my sister actually read like some early drafts of these poems. She's a visual artist. She's a painter. And she, and she said, I'd really like to do some paintings to go with these poems, which I got excited about because the poems were responding to artists. And, and so I loved the idea of seeing this cycle of starting with visual art and moving to poetry and then going back to visual art. And so I got lucky enough to find a press that's willing to print full color throughout the whole book. And there's going to be some of her paintings in the book. Yeah. So, so that kind of shows maybe that cycle of how that works too. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that'd be so cool to see that in a book. I write for a running magazine out of the UK and they don't pay, you know, Um, but they, what they do is they take my, my essays and they have an artist write, draw the essay. Uh-huh. I will write for them forever because of exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Like now your sister's taking your poetry and then turning it into art. And that's just a, that I, I can't think of many things cooler in life than, yeah. than somebody doing that with your work. So yeah. it's, it's, um, that's exciting. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, there's one line that I love. Uh, I mean, I love a lot of lines, but I'm just saying, but this one stuck out. And I think it's probably because of this, this contrast in blue and yellow where they dig their toes into the yellow desert, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, I mean, it's a really interesting look at those those really drastic contradictions, you know? I mean, with blue and yellow, they are so so drastic. I mean, when looking at this poem, and like I say, like with poets, I'm just asking, I'm always just asking questions because what was, like, did that one just come? like blue against yellow or is because was it strictly because we look at the desert as yellow? I mean, because we could see the, yeah. the desert floor is differently uh-huh. than yellow. Yeah. There's so many colors, so many yeah. colors that you could describe it. Was that something that you played with or was that one of something that just came? You know, I, I think it just came mm-hmm. if I'm remembering right, but it might also be partly because I, I've been surrounded by a lot of visual art my whole life mm-hmm because my mom's a visual artist and then my sister and 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 I love visual art and I, I tinkered around with it when I was younger and um and and you know I think I love those bright colors and contrast to each other so I think I kind of already naturally had that in my mind mm-hmm. uh, and so and and I love the desert I love playing yeah. around in the desert and I like noticing all those different colors in the sand and and so I I'm I may have just had the yellow in my mind from a recent trip who knows but it did just kind of come but yeah and I and I also like the other sensory details of that of just the desert can feel so uh, unforgiving (laughs) you know it's just there's so many sharp things (laughs) and so I like the idea of thinking about the the nudity too and those bare toes on on something so rough right yeah and then we end with blue dirt yeah. Of the mountains. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, is what it, I mean, does that mean, I'm trying to think of it in a way like with 
with them moving there so we get uh, a coyote sings soon it will be night as the nudes continue their steps matching the moons pulled pulled earth disappearing in the mountains of blue dirt and is that night is that just the nighttime or is that what yeah i it is the nighttime because i i've always that's something i've noticed since i was young was just the way uh, the colors change according to the day, time of day mm-hmm. in in the desert and really where wherever you are. But um, and and that you can take these red cliffs of southern Utah or where you know in in this poem it's southern California, but just at sunset, just they turn a different color and suddenly they're blue, yeah. right? And and I also like the idea of the the blue nudes like being able to just sort of disappear into the landscape that prior they were in high contrast to, right. Right, so they, yeah. So and before they were just like drastic contrast to yellow, but then they are almost absorbed into yeah. the night's blue. Which yeah, is a really pretty image, and Thanks. um, and I love coyotes. Anytime, Me too. you know, I just, I, I, are, I just think they're so cool. I know. I just <laughs> yeah. think they're so. I mean, they're they're people. You know, they're scavengers, but they're mm-hmm. they're they're they have this huge kind of uh, commitment to pack and family and they'll call to each other at night yeah. so that they they can all come back together you yeah, know and I mean? they sound so strange uh, yeah. when you're out there and oh, you can hear them and the yeah. first time you hear them in the middle of the night it's like what it's, is that? and you've heard them a thousand <laughs> times before but yeah. i love coyotes um, anyways i just yeah, love coyotes there's such a i think so so archetypically western too you mm-hmm. know it feels like this the desert and it feels like the west to yeah. have coyotes but i know they're in kansas and stuff mary's been to carrie's mary's fa- my wife's house a million times and there's so many coyotes there yeah but i yeah. want them just to be west <laughs> i want them to be ours i know well i think i, th- I think of them as being the west yeah because so. we're just i'm with you yeah because we're still the old west that's right um <laughs> well, we, but we gotta move on because we just spent 10 minutes on one poem and Brandon's going to cut us off. Okay, go. You're good. All right, good. <laughs> okay. Okay, so this one's titled On New Year's Eve. Uh, and I'm going to preface this one. This uh, this poem is a true story. Uh, and it was, man, I don't remember what year, what year it was. You know how you work on these, you know, you write a book and you work on it for years. But, and then it takes a while for it, for it to come out. But I am. Um, there was a, a news story I woke up to on, on New Year's Day um, about these blackbirds. And I know I'm not the only poet that wrote about it. It was too good to leave alone. And, and, you know, I guess there's that poet obsession with birds. But there's a reason why. (laughs) Anyway, but in this poem, they're not not blackbirds. They're blue nudes. So, on New Year's Eve, 5,000 blue nudes fell dead in Bibby, a small Arkansas town. It was all over the news. Everyone woke New Year's Day to naked bodies strewn over cold concrete and yards. The blue nudes dropped onto mailboxes, dented cars, their bus posed with spines bent backward, bare to winter. One blue nude fell onto a woman walking her dog around midnight. It both shocked and depressed her. Experts say it might have been fireworks that frightened the nudes, unable to see in the darkness of a coming year. Is this the end? Reporters go away, scientists explain, artists weep, poets write poems about miners and canaries. They try to create a myth or a metaphor to understand. The ending contains blue fingers over blue faces, a feeling that will all go on with life even as doomsayer rolls off grainy tongues. The results are coming in. The experts collect and count the bodies while a mother counts the number on her lawn. She tells her children not to play with the poor dead things. 
I remember that. You do? Now that I, yes. now I remember it. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. um, it was shocking. Yeah. Um, yes. And with the blue nudes, it brings a totally different uh, feel to the entire poem. Because if you would have mm-hmm. done the birds, it would be, it'd be a totally different poem. Yeah. So with this one, I, it's so, there is, it's really, really dark. You know, yeah, we, it it, 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 it's dark. And this it's, was when my sister said, I don't want to paint this one. Did she really? <laughs> she did. Yeah. She's like, I don't know what to do. It's dark. So I it's, mean, <laughs> yeah. And it feels, and, and, and I, you know, what's, what's just really hard today is there's, our world is kind of crazy right yeah. now. And it really yeah. kind of feels like, you know, it feels really, really potent to mm-hmm. everything that's going on in the yeah. world. And maybe that's the darkness too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's because of the context and. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, like you said, this could have, this was when, this is probably, when did they fall? 2000. Might've been 2010. 20, that's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I know it was. And it, in reading it then and writing it then it has to feel like, so mm-hmm. you're putting this collection together. Yeah. And obviously this one's going in cause it has the theme of the blue nudes. Mm-hmm. Is this poem a different poem now than it was in 2010? Oh Yeah. And it's crazy how a poem can yeah. not only transcend, but move between the mood of the world, the yeah. city, the country. That's interesting. Yeah. And this one feels so much now, but I, I'm looking back at 2010 contextually and I'm thinking there's things then obviously I mean it's the we you know the economy was horrible mm-hmm. and everybody was losing jobs and you know mm-hmm. uh, it was a hard time yeah. as well uh, but it, I think if you looked at this poem then if we read it then in 2010 it would conjure completely different differently dark yeah images yeah than it does now yeah I would yeah. agree with that yeah. absolutely yeah and yeah I mean no matter what it's dark yeah. um but especially with the children you know mm-hmm. uh, don't don't play with the poor you know d- mm-hmm. because and we know that with being birds it's like you get sick yeah but at the same time it's with the blue nudes it's it takes us away f- so if somebody didn't know these were birds mm-hmm. it would make it it makes a different poem yeah so because you, it's talking because it when you think about it it's like when you're picturing bodies who are they you yeah. know and and in today's in today's world yeah and, yeah like one blue nude fell onto a woman walking her dog around midnight it both shocked and depressed her you know if you mm-hmm. think about a blue nude body falling on top of this poor woman and her dog and and then yeah. it's kind of like you look at it it's shocked it both shocked and depressed her it's it's a line that's kind of well yeah but it seems like you there's a lot of restraint in it too yeah yeah. You know, I mean, because yeah. you could have gone a lot farther with that line. You mm-hmm. know, you could have pushed it, but would have that, that probably wouldn't have worked. Yeah. It would have been too, like, pu- punched to the gut, which this poem doesn't feel like as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And when sometimes you can, if you talk, if you, if you, you go too far with something, I think with, with the poetry, like, like or if you talk about it too much, then you, you start to lose it. You have to ask the reader to participate in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really so. interesting because I, I would love to go back in time and read this in 2010 and yeah. see what it conjured. See what your mind thinks see about it. See what your yeah. mom thinks. I mean, because right now you think about where's the line? Where's going to say, reporters go away, scientists explain, artists weep, poets write poems about minors and canaries. They try to create a myth or a metaphor to understand. And if you just look at the heavy words, the heavy nouns in that, we get reporters, which mm-hmm. is such a big thing 
topic today about media. Yeah. Scientists the same, artists the same. Um, where to, you know, those kind of signifiers of who people are are in the media right now. Yeah. Every single one of them where they might not have been in 2010. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And, and yeah, and it, I sort of feel like... A, everybody is trying to figure it out right like what's what's going on mm-hmm. right now and and they're trying to find a way to explain it you yeah. know in all the different ways there we'll are try. so many things i could list that are happening right now yeah well <laughs> yeah. and i guess that just speaks to the timelessness of the poem right yeah thanks which i i appreciate you pointing that out because sometimes you don't notice that those things about your own work and then you're like yes you're right yeah i mean these <laughs> I, yeah these themes are always there it's just kind of where our mind takes us because where they are now and yeah like i said speaks to the timelessness of that poem yeah uh, because i was thinking you said it was, you wrote it a long time ago but i was thinking 2017 or 2016 yeah, yeah, 2010 is almost shocking yeah yeah well and and that that is a good just uh maybe in talking about teaching poetry like a, maybe a good writing prompt is having having your students replace an object or an animal with with something else that's very different and see how that changes the meaning of of the story yeah you know and oh. it creates a whole all these different layers yeah absolutely but just change that main it. protagonist out of whatever it might be yeah. i did something the other day where i was teaching prose poems because it's the only thing i can teach um <laughs> and i told them to write a prose poem a political prose poem that has nothing to do with politics yeah because it was one of those things I was running into the classroom like I need to think of an exercise uh-huh. and I was like and it worked because they, oh, they okay. went you know what they went into is they went into high school politics like all uh-huh. of them were like oh you know it was like mean girls and I was like oh that's actually okay. kind of okay so yeah huh. I'll keep it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I like that one I'm gonna steal it <laughs> all right let's go with is it once in a blue day uh yeah that one man and this one's even older so <laughs> don't tell us. <laughs> okay, so I have, I'm just realizing I wrote some of these poems so long ago, and there are some that are, are fairly new in the collection as well. But when I was in graduate school, I I was managing editor of Willow Springs, mm-hmm. and uh, and I remember publishing a poem by Melissa Kwasney. Uh, I think it was reading novellas in Montana, and it was the title of the poem, and uh, and then about. 10 years later she had a book come out and that was the title poem of the book and and it was a good thing for me at that moment to realize okay that's how long it takes sometimes yeah. she we published that poem 10 years ago i, I remembered yeah. it and uh so then i i don't feel so bad when it takes me so long to get him out <laughs> no anyway. well we just interviewed lee camacho works who's okay. got who, who's got another book coming out with okay. black lawrence press and nice and she had written a, a story called clowns that we had published in a literary journal in 2012 mm-hmm. and that was in her collection of sto- short stories so i think yeah well as writers we know this yeah that time do. doesn't exist yeah <laughs> but for <laughs> readers and new writers i think it's a good idea to say hey yeah be patient okay yeah because <laughs> yeah time does not exist yep okay yep. once in a blue day I'm not talking about the blues. I'm talking about when you can't help but notice what's hanging over you, like the sky does in June, like Mrs. Tate does when we forget to come in from recess. Our only concern is the blue snake come in from the alfalfa, found with half a gopher hanging, still hanging out of its mouth. Some of the children run away. My brother yells, don't touch it. Suddenly, somebody picks blue up and starts playing it like a trumpet. 
All you've got left now is your whole world open to meaning, and you don't want it to mean anything. I'm reading the last stanza, I guess. Oh, so they, they named him Blue? Um, the, the, snake? the snake? Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is And that's my... what I was going back for. Like, all yeah. of a sudden I saw the... Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think of it like that, but that's a way to think of it. I think maybe just the speaker of the poem was naming him, naming the snake Blue. But I, I, uh, I mean, I definitely feel like this is one of my more um, surrealist moments. Mm-hmm. And and I do I do love surrealist poetry and I and I feel like this collection is more so than my first collection kind of getting into into the surrealism, um, but there's also just some some very uh, specific memories in here for me as well because this actually did happen when I was in elementary school. Mm. But, you know our elementary school grounds were surrounded by alfalfa fields and I remember um, I remember the gopher snake in with the, the snake like with the gopher hanging out of its mouth and uh and that was the, the name of my teacher but <laughs> anyway taking those kind of surreal moments you have as a kid and and then just um I think this idea at the end like of and and one of the reasons why this I selected this one is just sort of an example of one of the poems in the in the book that uh it's not it doesn't have the blue nudes in it but it's playing around with the color yeah so and and uh, just how we 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 assign meaning to things, and sometimes we don't want there to be meaning there, right? But you can't help it; it's just there. It's like there are these things that happen around you that become metaphorical or become symbolic in your life. And I, I feel like that's what this poem's trying to say at the end: is just like now the whole world's just open to meaning, but you don't want it to mean anything. You just you just want it to just be. Yeah, you want yeah. the simplicity of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you st- well that's why I, was, I paused for a bit because I was breaking down, th- yeah. th- breaking down how it moves. Because the, at the first three lines, we get this very very larger uh, life kind of philosophy you know yeah. and then the last three lines do the same thing then we move from like this the sky which we get this really concrete but we move from the that kind of larger philosophical ideas to the concrete then to the very concrete with scene and then the kids play it and then we move back like a trumpet which is a larger or concrete but it's more general and then we move out to the larger philosophy of basically you're now that you've figured something else like this everything in the world is kind of going to come in on you and you're and yeah. it's like you know it's a it's coming of age really too yeah. as well where you're like the simplicity of childhood just playing with the snake is gone now mm-hmm. where that day with the snake is means so much more i mean you're writing poems about it now yeah. but the, and then now everything means something yeah you know yeah. And, and our and in our <laughs> minds at our ages it's like can we just and that's why i like watch this is a little bit of a tangent that's why i like watch move stupid shows like survivor mm-hmm. because i don't want sometimes what what we do as writers is we are wrapped up in this mm-hmm. observation of the world every day yeah and what everything means and i would love an hour where people just try to vote themselves off the island right you know and yeah. i think that poem and speaks even to as me you that say way. that <laughs> yeah my brain still is like making the metaphorical connections <laughs> yeah exactly so, yeah it's I mean, hard to step away from that and yeah. that's what that poem mm-hmm. th- when you first read it and then that's what it hit me as is like, oh 
can we have that by, day back where yeah. we can play? And even though it's like surreal, yeah. playing a snake like a t- guitar or your brother actually probably did that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can we go back there? Yeah. And it's saddening. And it's, and you, well, you start off the whole thing with it's not, I'm not talking about the blues per se. Yeah. But there is a sadness when yeah. There's, yeah. everything is attached to meaning. I don't know. Yeah. And there, and it feels like there's also, I mean, for me, there's something playful in the poem, but then there's also something sinister with the, the snake and the the gopher. It's just sort yeah. of like, wait, wait, what? There's this? death and yeah, yeah, and yeah. So yeah. I like that was, I like that one too. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks. I've loved them all. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. I think these should be published. I'm saying it right now. And I think <laughs> art. Good call. I think art should be attached to it. I like that idea too. Make it done. Uh, okay, should we do? Just uh, one more, or do we? Would you think that's what we have? Let's do. Yeah, let's do. What? What are we at? You can do more. Let's do two. Okay. okay. Do we have two? I have two. I think I may not have given you a copy of my second one that's left. But okay. Okay. We'll, we'll end with that one because it'll be like a send off. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So this one I gave you absence, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absence. Blue nudes hide in the wheat fields. All that rolling green. During the day, occasionally, you'll see a body stand waist-deep or a head lift up from the swaying, feathery tops of grain. They lie down in it and believe their secrets kept. Watch. From the corner of your eyes, at night, they come out. They stand and see no one and continue walking with their hands, palms down, the young wheat barely touching that skin. The moon is a sliver hiding in blackness above them, the stars falling clockwise, as their bare feet turn slightly in the same direction until they remember the North Star in perfect ladle, offering anyone a sip of universe, if they will take it. Please expand. <laughs> <laughs> so this one I wrote when I lived in Spokane. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was the first time in my life I, well, I've always been surrounded by farm you know, farming areas. I grew up in a, in an area like that, but, um, but I had never been surrounded by all that wheat. (laughs) And I was really taken with the landscape of, um, just outside of Spokane, like the Palouse and, you know, these sort of rolling fields of, uh, of, of wheat. And, uh, and I, I love driving out in it and just looking at it because it was such a different landscape to me. And, uh, so this poem, um, kind of, is sort of visiting that in my mind. Actually, I don't think I wrote it in Spokane. I probably was later, but that's what I was thinking of was was the area around around that city. So, and and I think this is an example of of me using the Blue News as a vehicle to just get into the details of some landscape mm-hmm. and um and and also just sort of the 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 magical feeling of walking out into a landscape and and being able to just kind of disappear in it and you know look at the night sky so and I guess and I guess in a way the poem at the end is asking the reader to to stop and and maybe pay attention to that too Mm -hmm. and and just look up at the stars so yeah I yeah I was thinking about this this one part um, with the young wheat because it's obviously their hands palms down right so the young weed is barely grown. Yeah. It's, it's so you can still see. Yeah. Right? You can still see the horizon and still yeah. see the distance because with yeah. tall wheat, right, you're lost in it. Yeah. And yeah. It would be a different. Yeah. A different so it's feeling. Not, not that high. It's just. It's, a, yeah. yeah. It's just, and probably small, green, mm-hmm. fresh instead mm-hmm. of the older. Yeah. Wheat. Um, 
and I, I like, you know, I think a lot of times we don't get a lot of this. We don't get a lot of poems anymore that put us out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that, I mean, I don't know what that is, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, mean g- I went to school in Kansas and it was the first time I ever saw the plains and this mm-hmm. one to me is that feeling that exact yeah. same feeling of it's growing up in utah growing up here in ogden yeah where the mountains close you in and you feel almost yeah. like they hug you you're like i'm comfortable right. here the you know the mountains are always they're part of me mm-hmm. um and we talk we, you know we always talk about like setting and landscape and why that's part of our lives and yeah who we are but then going to kansas is exactly how i felt here in that sense that i yeah. would go out and i would stand there because getting away from manhattan kansas was like a three minute drive less than that and it was all stars and it was all just yeah. forever yeah. And, and to me it was a little scary um a lot of it was because i didn't know directions mm-hmm. you know here was the, the east of the mountains left is the i mean yeah. west is the lake North yeah. is Idaho. Yeah, it's so easy to know your directions <laughs> yeah. here. South is South is Provo and Salt yeah. Lake, and um, I got that. I always almost had a lot of fear when I found myself um, in the same place as the narrator in this poem. That mm-hmm. there it was this massive universe, but I had lost that hugging feel of the, yeah. of the mountains. Yeah, here. I think that's really interesting. It's just because I, I I grew up in Utah too, so mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. And and I remember when I was in graduate school, just you know, we'd driven out uh, to um, one of my professors, Jonathan Johnson. Mm-hmm. He and his wife had built a cabin in northern Idaho, just you know, middle of nowhere, and they were having hosting some sort of event out there. And I I had driven myself and some other friends out to it and then coming back it was just me and one other girl and she was so freaked out by the woods and just the just the nothingness that mm-hmm. we were driving through you know of just the wild and and I couldn't have been more comfortable you right. know I just I loved it and I just think it's interesting how we get those when we're you know how place can do that to us and we can feel unsettled when we're in, the, in those unfamiliar spaces and yeah. And it's just part of us. Mm-hmm. I had a friend, we have a, a running friend who, she came from New York. Yeah. And we were like, let's go trail running. Yeah. And she was f- like literally frightened. Yeah. She's like, what about the mountain lions? Yeah. And she's like, I won't run alone because I just feel completely yeah. uneasy in the mountains. And yeah. Have you ever felt a mountain lion though when you've been out there? I think <laughs> nowadays. You can feel them. You can. Yeah. You can't see them. Yeah. 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 Oh, and yeah. And I'm more scared now than I was when I was 20, now I'm like, yeah. everything that's like, ra- and I think this is parenthood, and then we're going off a little bit, but <laughs> I think this is par- parenthood because of your mortality. Yeah. I gotta be around for him, and if there's a mountain lion there, yeah. when I was 20, I was like, whatever. Yeah, the older you get, the more the, the sense of mortality oh, you have too. Yeah. Absolutely, and um, she was like, I, she's we would we went up um, Strong's, mm-hmm. and she kind of like, it kind of freaked her out a bit to yeah. be that far away from yeah. Yeah. Concrete. There is one specific spot in Strong Canyon that I, I always look up and I'm like, I know there's a mountain lion up yeah, there. I, I, know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So there, something I've thought a lot I've about. Been, they've been, and they've been more, it seems like they've been more prevalent lately, haven't they? Like the one guy that killed a deer in his backyard in Salt Lake the other day. And there, I think they've, it's interesting how you phrase that. I think they've always been about the, around the same numbers sometimes they come down and sometimes they don't when they come down it's a big deal and all of a sudden they're more prevalent but i think it's just one of them decided to come down i don't know bad Mm -hmm. winter or something um but they've always been there and uh 
I know people who ran into him on the trails. I'm sort of jealous and sort of not. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. There's, well, they're stealthy animals, so they're they good are. at. Yeah. I feel like I've had it two or three times in my life where I'm, I could hear one, mm-hmm. or somebody I was with saw it and I didn't see it, but I've never actually seen one in the wild. But I've been, I've been very near, <laughs> but without without seeing them. <laughs> I there was only one time I, we were up during high school sitting on that big rock above St. Joe High, and you know we shouldn't have been up there, um, and it was me and I think I was on a date. And we heard one, like, you know, the cry, then, you know, the... Really? Yeah. And we knew we had to get from the rock down to the road, and but we had heard it out there. Yeah. In the middle. In the middle. And I've never been so scared in my entire life. Well, there's other times, but in that situation. No, but that's very It was pretty, that was yeah. freaky. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. That, that got us there. That's good. <laughs> All right. Final okay. poem, I think. Okay. And then, and um, I don't have a copy, so this will be like our... Okay. Yeah. Or as send off. Yeah, and it and it talks about the wild the wild animals in here as well. So it's a good it's a good transition. And I'm realizing suddenly that how much these these poems, as I've been reading these selections that I chose, how much they are talking about place. So this one's taking us to Alaska. This is what didn't happen. The blue nudes are lost in Alaska. They wander around the woods on a large island full of moose and bear. Large paws are tracked in mud. Hemlocks creak with wind. Layers upon layers of moss. The nudes want so badly to lie down in it. Feel the damp on their skin. There are blueberries to eat and red squirrels that shout. Ocean rises and falls a few miles from them in any given direction. The nudes feel the breath and hear the creatures with large hearts swim and sing. We must be so close. Do they see wells rise? No. The blue nudes, the lot of them, have formed a circle in the woods after hours of walking. Remember this tree, broken here like this? The nudes continue searching. What if we are never found and we never find? They stagger into a clearing full of feathers and drops of blood. They think of the tide retreating and boats that can take them away. They are moved to pray. They kneel beside a false azalea and ask God to provide a bird to lead them. They pray and pray. I think it's the perfect poem to end with. We started with the blue moods in the desert with this kind of this arid environment and then leave us in the lush, beautiful Alaskan countryside. Yeah. It's perfect. Thanks. Uh, This is Case Johnson, Literally Podcast today with Laura Stott. Join us today at the Today should I say today again? T- today we are we are in Banyan One inside the Monarch. Yeah, in the middle, in the heart of the new Nine Rails Arts District. Yep, and it's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and really that fun. went f- super fast. That was probably fifty minutes. Forty. That's fast. Mm-hmm.